This is That Marketing Podcast. Made by marketers for marketers. Welcome to another edition of That Marketing Podcast, brought to you by Spotlight UK. My guest today is Stephanie Scheller, founder of Grow Disrupt, which provides support and training for small businesses in America, particularly focused on sales and marketing. Today on the podcast, we discuss how she evolved the brand from Scheller Enterprises into Grow Disrupt, and how that compares to the way that Communicator transitioned into Spotler at the beginning of 2020. We cover good and bad reasons to change your brand, key considerations around timing, and how a simple press release can be a very powerful tool for managing the transition. I hope you enjoy. So rebranding-wise, the reason I wanted to to bring this up is because Spotler have just been just sort of emerged from the other side of the process, becoming Spotler after being Communicator. So you're mm-hmm. sort of well, this is rebranding, grow disrupt. Grow disrupt. Uh huh. Yeah. Oh, so your your experience is rebranding your your grow disrupt conference mm-hmm. on a regular basis. Um, yeah. I thought the reason we'd start with the way I want to start was ours was was a top down rebrand for people who don't really know the the Spotler story. We were initially called Communicator, um, acquired by Spotler, I think June 2018. And then the end of 2019 was the point we said, right, it's now the time to to bring the two brands together. So ours was sort of a top down rebrand, whereas yours is from a sort of keeping the content fresh point of view. So I just wanted to get your thoughts on how that, how that affects how we have them. Well, you know, so it, it, it does. We also did, I mean, actually roughly the same time frame, which is kind of funny. Um, ours was at the end of 2018. We went through and we rebranded the entire company top down, very similar to what you guys had to do. And so it it became something that we became very familiar with very quickly. And then, I, you know, when we I reached out to a company to develop a new brand for our, our annual retreat, the Grow Retreat, and they developed this gorgeous brand, but it was very specific to the theme that we had for that year. And I realized, you know, after I got the brand back, I I didn't specify that I wanted a brand that could stand. You know, what do I do? And then the more I thought about it, the more I realized, you know, this is actually really great because we get the same people coming back every year and we don't want it to start to feel stale for them. So if we rebrand it every year, we keep some hallmarks the same, but we re we design a new brand every year. It will keep it feeling really fresh. And so we had to learn very quickly how to balance that side of rebranding, but not losing the essence of the brand itself, redesigning, but not losing the actual brand. And uh, it was very, it, it's been, it's been a lot of fun to go through. It's been a lot of growing, but I think it's actually really helped us, helped us grow. It's certainly brought its own challenges, but I think it's helped us grow quite a bit. Sure. I, you know, I definitely want to pick, pick up on that. That was the first thing that, that our team sort of came up with and our marketing director said, this is the day we do it, or this is the time frame for the rebrand. As he said, how do we maintain A, the, sort of the brand awareness and also the essence of the brand while keeping keeping it fresh? So can you tell us a little bit more about how you walk that tightrope of keeping it fresh, but not still sort of familiar as it were? Yeah, so that really comes down to understanding what are the core tenets of the brand. And we had to go way beyond. I mean, we did a ton of customer like client interviews and asking questions and trying to understand what was it about our brand? What was it? What was it that people loved on a subconscious level? 
right? So we had to sit here and come up with really, really clever questions that would allow us to get our prospect to tell us a story and to tell us about what it was that drew them to the brand beyond the colors and the logo and the design, but what was the core of the brand, right? So we had to look into what are the characteristics? What is it we bring to the table that people really love? And it's the the accessibility and the exclusivity that of of like for example the grow retreat which is the one we rebrand every year right so when when people started to, they said i love the fact that i walk into a room full of people i don't know but i instantly feel at home and we said okay that's good to know so what is what are they actually telling us it's that it's that community they really love that okay well that's so that's a piece of the brand so what else you know so we asked them we know what what would you if you had to describe this event to someone else what would you say Right. And so we get all these different answers back. And again, we do the same thing. Okay. So what are they actually telling us? And then we, so once we, we kind of figured out, okay, this is our, and we created like a, a three page document on what is the core tenant of the brand. And so every year when we go to rebrand and rebuild, we, we look at those core tenants and say, okay, so how do we show this through the design, through the artwork, through the colors that we choose? How do we still relate this? to that core of what makes the brand work. And, you know, in a, in a more practical sense, you know, we use the same font. We, we have a couple of shapes that we use pretty consistently. So we use a hexagon. Obviously it's a slightly different experience with ours is Touchwood is going to be a sort of one-off brand. It's brought in, we've become part of this family, whereas yours is an annual thing. How do you sort of set a time frame for this? How, how do you balance the need to do it sort of efficiently with being thorough? Well, so the, I mean, the good news is because we're redoing this every year, um, it's we don't have to recreate that brand document every year. We had to work really hard to create that the first year, but we don't have to recreate that every year. So really, actually, we start, we, we've been moving it earlier and earlier. Last year, we didn't end up doing the rebrand till like July for the January event. This year, we actually started the rebrand in February at, for the for the 2021 event. And for the 2021 event, we're actually going to start the rebrand for the 2022 event in uh, November um, of this year. So we're actually getting further and further in advance so that we because what it allows us to do, because the thing with a new brand, right, is you need to you need to be able to open it in a splash, right, in a way that tells people, hey, this is the new brand in a way that gets a lot of people's attention so that they're paying attention. So when they see the new brand again, yes, you can use the same shapes, the hexagon, the fonts, the, you can use a lot of the same concepts with the brand. So there will be some feeling of familiarity there. But really the best way to do it, to launch a new brand is to is to do it with a big splash. And when we were looking at this, you know, what's the best way to launch the new brand with a splash? We we're like, well, you know, doing it at the at the previous year's retreat would really be, you know, the the best way to do it. So we're we're actually gonna have this moment at the very end. I'm I'm giving away a little bit of what we're planning here, but we're gonna have this moment at the very end of the 2021 retreat where we unveil the theme for 2022 and the new brand and all of the colors we have we have colored lights all around the room and all of the colors on the lights will change from the old branding colors to the new branding colors so it'll be a very big splash we'll launch the new website right then and there i mean it's going to be a very big deal and then i think the key is relating it to something consistent right so we're still gonna we aren't rebranding the grow disrupt brand 
we aren't changing all of that. And even when we rebranded Grow Disrupt, we kept the Stephanie Scheller brand consistent. And so we tied that to the Stephanie Scheller brand as kind of the bridge between the two. And I think that's really important if you want to get the most leverage out of your rebrand. One of the things particularly that took us by surprise when we were looking at the, the work levels that we didn't, act, didn't actually see coming was rebranding on LinkedIn. It, it probably found out requires a full on press release. You have to write something up, submit it to them. I mean, we were, we were changing our logo and our company name as well. So maybe that's um, maybe not something that comes up for your, for your event wise. You wouldn't really need that. Now, um, you guys had to send a press release to LinkedIn. Yeah, we had to submit to their, to our, my, our marketing director, like the admin of the page. So he was kind of handling the social media rebrands. We did, we sort of made the images and came up with a, a sort of a splash of content to launch with. But actually, oh. get changed from community to spotlight. There's, I, I think it's actually at the time of recording still ongoing when we did it nearly a month ago. So yeah, if, uh, if I mean, anyone listens to this with tips for getting a rebrand, that's one. If you're on LinkedIn, definitely think about that. <laughs> It'll take a little while to get that. So we do we do roll out a press release for the new rebrand every year. Um, and, and I do think that's really valuable. That was something we didn't do when we rebranded from Scheller Enterprises to Grow Disrupt. And it's something I wish we had done. Um, it's just a press release, just putting it out there. And the beautiful thing is, you know, if you do a press release, even if it doesn't get picked up by a whole ton of platforms, you can still put it out there and you still talk about, hey, our press release and your network will still pay attention to it. There is something really powerful about the words press release. And so you can still get a lot of traction just from using, just from the words press release, like right there, you get a lot of attention and it draws the name to, oh, this is something worth paying attention to. Cause that's the big thing. You know, I know, you know, one of the things we talked about is how do you not throw away the reputation that your existing brand has built? And that, you know, it really is all about getting enough attention so that people know that the rebrand is happening and, and then doing it in a natural way so that it still feels familiar when people see the new brand. So you're still playing on the, you know, synapses and connections and memories that people have already built with your current brand, you know, for the new brand. Yeah, maybe this is more to your point about rebranding from, from Shadow Enterprises to go to grow disrupt. Mm -hmm. that you're you're starting to reach a slightly different target audience and a, a wider audience. So what we found quite interesting was trying to balance, I suppose, the the voice of the brand. Especially for us, the interesting thing was that Spotler, our parent company, have their own distinct voice and communicate had its own distinct voice. Yeah. And trying to sort of marry the two. I suppose marry is the perfect word because they're they're not becoming the same, but they're sort of joining and combining in a slightly different way. I just wonder how you went about keeping that tone, but also pivoting to the new new audience that you're trying to reach with your rebrand. Yeah, so ooh, that's, a, that's a really good question because we did not have to rebrand our voice because it was the same voice. Um, so that's a I'm, now I'm sitting here going, ooh, how would we deal with that? But I think it's a good point because you're that's something I think a lot of people forget is part of your brand is the voice. And so to be able to say, hey you know, this is the new void. You want to have some carryover. So this is where you, you know, you might take some time to identify what is, you know, what are the core tenets of the new voice versus the old voice? Are there some ways we can, we can show the two coming together? And is there some value in potentially keeping some of the voice from the previous brand? Like, is there any value to that? 
and bringing that, you know, maybe you, your previous brand joked around and had kind of a, a more of a comedic effect, right? You know, you may say, well, is there some value in bringing some of that comedy voice, some of that jokester voice into the new brand, their voice, you know, do we want to retain some of that? Did it work for the previous brand? Does it make sense to say, hey, you know, we're bringing this new company on board and we're rebranding, you know, we're rebranding them to join us. And what we've loved about them is that they are, you know, they're smart and thoughtful, but they're hilarious. And we we look forward to bringing the same to you. Um, and so I, I would do, you know, kind of the same thing I talked about earlier, identify what are the core tenants and then either say, okay, here's how we're going to transition them or here's what we are going to keep in order to make the two brands a little bit more um, cohesive. Yeah, it's really, really clear from this that under, a deep, deep understanding of the brand is critical. How did yeah. that into your decision to, to reach out for a company to help you with the rebrand initially? Was it something you sort of, you tried to do yourself and then said, hang on, we need this? Or was the company your first port of call? No, I we, we tried to do it on our own at first. And I just realized it was a, you know, um, uh, what's the saying, forest for the trees situation. Um, I could not see beyond the the day to day into what was what was it that was really making the brand work. And I wasn't familiar enough with running stuff like, you know, like the client interviews. We we did feedback forms all the time, but I'd never tried to take those, you know, so everyone who goes to our retreat, they get a form to fill out after the retreat to say, hey, you know, what did you think? And and you know, getting getting feedback. But we never thought to take that into the level of how do we figure out what it is people love and why this is working so well? You know, it wasn't until I sat down with the branding company because I, we did try and do it ourselves. And I just, I realized I'm too close to the situation. Um, I'm trying to rebrand it one way, but I'm not doing a good job because, you know, for small business, a lot of small business owners, we operate from a very emotional place about our business. Our business, our small business is our life. It's our it's our everything, right? And so when we operate from this place that is very emotional, it is hard for us to get those emotions to come out as words um, on our own. We often need help with that, with communicating that well. And so I realized I, I wasn't doing a good job communicating it because for about a year, I was trying to trying to rebrand it, but it wasn't really catching on. And so that was when I, I reached out to a company or actually a company reached out to me and said, hey, you have phenomenal stuff and we really love this and this and this. And, you know, we went to your events and we would love to do your rebrand, you know, would you be open to that? And of course I was like, yes, because I'm realizing I cannot do this myself. Um, but they were the ones who really pulled a lot of that information out of my head in a, in a way that made it useful. So I think it's really helpful to bring in another company. I really do. Yeah. It's interesting. They're using customers as a sounding board to understand what they like as the brand. I really like that as a, an actionable taker if you're thinking of going through a brand to understand what your customers like about you or, or potentially dislike I suppose is the other way of saying yeah. if, you could, if you could if you could change something about the the company the brand what would you what would you change yeah the other thing I picked I think the the emotional connection I absolutely understand it for small businesses but I think for, for the SME space which is where we are I would come back and say that's absolutely the case in there. I think the culture was very strong I think it doesn't sound terribly cool to put it out there but we sort of called ourselves gators when we were a communicator and we haven't got a, a replacement name for, for colleagues that we sort of use internally. So so I see what you mean about the, 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 the brand having roots kind of internally and externally as well. There's a, 
there is an attachment to to the way of doing things. There is, and I, you know, I think it's really valuable to bring in that outset, even even for the larger companies. Like, for the larger companies, first of all, the likelihood that they're going to be able to—I mean, they could probably afford to hire someone full time to do the rebrand, someone who's really talented. But at the same time, you know, they—they're—it doesn't make sense to hire someone to do like full time to do a rebrand. Like, it just doesn't. You're not going to you—you're going to spend a lot of money. Um, whereas you could spend a decent amount of money, but not a ridiculous amount of money to hire a firm to do your rebrand and they'll have that outside perspective. And I just think there's a lot more, I think it's a lot more, I think it's just a smarter way of doing it. I don't think rebranding is, is, uh, is something you, you do in house, even if you are a branding company, because again, you're just too close to the, too close to it most of the time. Interesting. So we we ran it entirely by our own, or it was run entirely by our own marketing team. And my my sort of counter argument to that would be that who better understands how to communicate with with your customers and with your your leads and the people that you're hoping to reach in this new format than the people whose whose full time job that is. Well, so with you guys, you had an existing brand that you were incorporating into. It's not like you guys were building it from scratch, right? That's true. Yeah. The Spotler brand already existed. So you were you were rebranding Communicator into Spotler, but it, it's not like you were building a brand from scratch. So I think that would be the the distinction there for me would be that it doesn't make it, it's very challenging to build a new brand from scratch internally, I think, in my experience. Whereas with you guys where you were incorporating one brand into the other, you're not designing the whole new brand from scratch. I think that would make more sense to do internally. That's, that's a fair point. I'll take, you, I'll take, I'll take your point on that particularly. Now I've sort of been through the, the mechanics of how we've each done it. You've seen other people sort of go through rebrands. Do you think there's a, a, a sort of a range of good and bad reasons that people go through rebrands? I imagine, you know, my theory, I can't prove this particularly, but they're linked on the, with the LinkedIn sort of extra layer of work that you might conceivably rebrand to shed a bad corporate reputation. So that's not a, not a great reason to do it. I just wonder if you've got any others that you'd put up there as terrible reasons to make these big changes. Rebranding is really quite the uh, quite the exercise to go through. It is quite a bit of work. I don't know that there is bad reasons to have to go through. And I mean, really, if, if you're having to rebrand to get away from a bad company reputation, you really need to weigh that very carefully because a rebrand is extremely expensive in time and energy and money. And if you are like you're gonna have your your reputation has to be completely destroyed to make it worth going through a rebrand versus just going through a PR campaign to improve your reputation because rebranding is is so extensive. So I feel like that is probably a, a terrible reason to go through a rebranding exercise on top of the fact that you know if your reputation is terrible that you know really isn't fun at all. But but I really can't think of a whole ton of like bad reasons, but you know, the opposite side of that, what are the good reasons to go through a rebrand if you're in the midst of a growth period and your business is growing and, and outgrowing the previous brand? That's a great reason to have to go through a rebrand exercise uh, where you're saying, hey, you know what, this brand worked for where we were at, but it's, you know, it's too, it's too limiting now. We need, we need to spread our wings a little more. And I think that those are, those are probably the, the most exciting reasons to go through a rebrand exercise. In terms of going from Shella to Grow Disrupt, one of the things I we keep sort of coming across is um, using older reviews and older sort of um, 
case studies and other material references us as communicator rather than spotler mm. is do you think it's important to to rebrand those or do you think having that sort of sense of history is fine my my sort of worry with things like that is if a new company discovers that resource and say oh they, are they spotler are they communicator and mixed messages are the, are the very last thing you want as a as a marketer to be putting out there Sure. So, you know, I would go through and and update those, but I would I, I would update it in a way that referenced this was written as Communicator back in 2014. We rebranded. You might put like a little like a an author's note at the beginning, and so then you update it to you know Communicator, you know, or Spotler. You know, you might do a, a parentheses Communicator, but I I would update it, but I would make sure. I wouldn't try and like erase the history of being communicator, right? So you still want to say, hey, this was, you know, this is who we were and we did great and we're really proud to join the spotlight. And then you could reference back to, you know, the press release that you put out about the transition from communicator to spotler. And so you're, you know, you, you write an article, you know, that, or let's say you've got an old article that you wrote back in, I don't know, two years ago, three years ago, it's communicator. And you're like, oh, we need to update this. So you put a little note that says this article was written, you know, at a time when Communicator was, you know, or was, or Spotler was two separate companies. Communicator, we merged into Spotler back in 2020 and, or 2019. And, and here's the press release to kind of walk you through what we did. And so then you reference people back to the press release. So you don't lose that history, but at the same time, you also don't create confusion. Right, yes, I think that's what we end up doing with a lot of our, um, certainly the SEO snippets on our website, we sort of brand them as Spotler, parentheses, communicator, so we've yeah. got that that continuity there. Yeah. One of the debates we had was actually, do we, does the confusion sort of leave you shedding the brand completely, or is it better to plunge ahead? And I think that's, I think that's a good answer to that, to, to sort of acknowledge the sense of history, but to do, to go all in on the, the new yeah. brand so people can have that big splash impact. Yeah. And, you know, one thing you can do is keep track of everywhere where the old brand is referenced. And in another year or two years, you know, you remove it. Like we left the Scheller Enterprises site up. We rebranded to Grow Disrupt. We left the new site up for a couple of months. And then we started for, we we put a note on there that said this, you know, we've been rebranded, go here. And then I think after, I think six months, we started forwarding, we took the site down and we forwarded everything. We set up, we set up forwarding links, right. And we forwarded everything to the corresponding grow disrupt and and you know we for about another six months we referenced this you know Scheller Enterprises rebrand but then we took it all off and we just you know we're just grow disrupt now but it was a process it wasn't like you know there's no flipping a switch I think because you don't want to lose that brand um that that brand uh I'm blanking on the word but you know the the brand equity I think it's probably the equity the, yeah yes yeah, yeah. so you did the same with our with our social media handles, like sort of, uh, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. I'd say LinkedIn is a bit more of a complicated process, so we've left that alone. But we still held on to the at communicator handles, so we are able to get to revisit them and get back to them if necessary. We haven't talked about how long to keep them for, but I agree. I think there's there's a process where you can keep moving through the rebrand. You get or to get your website and everything properly rebranded, and then tidy up the legacy bits. Yeah. Bit yeah, and you can, you can put together a, a six month process where you're posting once a week on the communicator, you know, handles saying, Hey, we are now Spotler in order to keep getting the same great content. Join us over here. You know, Hey, by the way, here's a really cool post we made over on Spotler that you should go check out and follow us over there. 
and do that for a year or so and then you know and then phase it out and shut it down so that you do eliminate some of that confusion but doing it doing it over time and being consistent if you're going to keep them right don't just keep them and leave them empty keep them and update them to say hey you know because communicator didn't disappear and that's the key with rebranding your old brand didn't disappear it got it got you know embraced by this other brand and is not as visible anymore but you you know if people are looking for communicator you still want them to see hey this has been updated you know a, a handful of times here you don't need to be updating it daily you probably don't even need to be updating it weekly honestly i, I you know kind of that's probably a little bit too aggressive but you know some updates to try and transition that following to the new platform i think that is important yeah, I suppose one thing to keep sight of, especially in a takeover situation like ours was, is that the acquiring company, Spotler, in our case, you know, they visited us, they came and saw, came and met with us, they came to the office, they, in fact, actually brought their entire company over for a for a pub quiz and meal with all of our oh, staff, nice. see the see the culture match up. So it's always worth remembering that they must have seen something that you liked in in the brand, not just in the technical capabilities because otherwise they wouldn't particularly have, have gone for the acquisitions that's that is a reason to keep that brand history and, and keep some of those distinctive elements that make you what you were originally that got you to the point where someone said oh we want to bring these guys into our orbit yeah agreed do you think there are significant other pitfalls that anyone who's still considering a rebrand for good reasons needs to be to be aware of or do you think we've mostly covered the things to watch out for i mean i think the biggest the biggest thing if you're going to be going through a rebrand is one is you don't jump into it willy-nilly you know, this is not something where all of a sudden one day you wake up and go, you know what? We're rebranding. Come on, y'all. Like, let's go. Re like, it, it doesn't <laughs> work. Like, this is something that needs to be done with a lot of forethought, a lot of strategy. You need to look at what are we keeping? What are we getting rid of? How are we going to transition our audience? How are we going to use the brand equity we've already built, the relationships we've already built? to catapult the new brand forward because that's what it really needs to do. You know, if you're bringing two brands together and, and you're gonna get rid of one, uh, I don't know if this is super common knowledge, but uh, Sprint and T-Mobile are two major, major phone carriers here in the US. And they've actually, they've been acquired. So Sprint was acquired by T-Mobile um, and they are still, this was like two or three years ago. They are still, no, I guess it was two years ago, but still, they're still working on that, that rebrand. And they're still, they, if you look, Sprint is still out there trying to recruit clients. It's still operating as a separate company while they figure out how are we going to do this merger and bring the two companies under one roof. It's not something to be done overnight. You, you want to do it in a way, because if they do this right, you know, it's always, uh, again, here in the U.S., it's always been, you know, at and Verizon at the top of the dog pile, and Sprint and T-Mobile have kind of been working their way up from the bottom. And if they do this right, what they should be able to do is catapult the the remaining brand up to the level or or higher than the other two brands, right? That's the whole purpose of bringing the two brands together. And so being smart about it, saying, okay, what assets do we have? What do we need to keep? What do we need to get rid of? You know, what do our clients say they don't like that we want? You know, this is a great opportunity to say, okay, we're doing away with that. You know, that's that's the big key, and and not to rush it. 
that was one of the mistakes we made when we rebranded was, was we, we started the rebrand process in like February of that year. And by the time we got to July, I was like chomping at the bit. I was like, let's go, let's go, let's go. And so we, we pushed and we hurried to get the rest of the rebrand out. And, and I wish we had taken a little bit more time to really plan the transition of all of our marketing assets over instead of kind of flying by the seat of our pants and really embrace what what was working, what wasn't, and be a lot more clear with people about why we were doing the transition and how this was a better fit for them and how they were gonna love it more and not just, uh, hey, we're changing the brand type of thing like what we did. Great, thanks for, thanks for sharing your thoughts and helping us sort of bounce off each other in two different sort of styles of rebound. If people want to hear more from you, you've got your own podcast, Black Belt Selling. Where can people find that if they want to uh, listen to a bit more of your thoughts on all things sales? We actually have that. If you go to our uh, our website, growdisrupt.com, um, you can get to our podcasts on there. I think under resources is where it's listed. Um, we also have a ridiculous number of um, you know free courses. Really, I mean, we have some very cheap courses, but there's some good free stuff up there. We have a crazy amount of articles. We have links to our podcast. We have a really cool quiz that, you know, we designed to help small business owners figure out, you know, what do I need to fix next in my, like, what should I focus on first? You know, there's everything needs to be fixed in the business. What do I focus on first? So these are, it, it's just a great resource site and, and the best way to, to find our podcast or articles or get in touch with me if they have questions or any of that good stuff. Cool. Okay. Well, the final thing we sort of aim for on the podcast is having a an actionable takeaway that someone can go straight away and do. And I, I'm going to suggest that the one one from this is to take the time to really think about what is the voice of your brand, what do people like about it and dislike about it, and and yeah. I think the valuable takeaway, whether or not you're planning a rebrand, if you're planning a new a new marketing campaign or a new a new set of sales outreach, then yeah. it's really going to help you. Almost, almost beyond a rebrand so hopefully that's something people can take away um whether this is whether they were listening to this for the direct advice or for the broad thoughts and for it to be a little bit more uh, theoretical if you like yeah no i i think you're i think you're spot on and and it really you know the only thing i would add to that is document it you know get it in writing it allows you so much freedom with your marketing so much scalability so much room to grow if you document, if you, I mean, it really is a phenomenal exercise. It takes some time, talk to your clients, ask them what they love about your industry, ask them what they hate or ask them what they love about working with you, ask them what they hate about your industry. Never ask your clients what they hate about working with you because they're never going to say it. They're going to be like, oh, nothing, I love you. But if you ask them, what do you hate about my industry? You can find out, you know, oh, hey, we're doing that thing that they said they don't like. <laughs> cool, we should fix that. Um, but get to know that information, document it. And, and, you know, it's a really powerful tool to have. It allows you to lean on other people for support. It allows you to have brand guidelines to check yourself against, you know, every document I've got a, I've got a friend who does some marketing designs for Coca-Cola and he said, Stephanie, everything we create for them, we send over and it goes through three levels of quality control. You know, that's how Coca-Cola has built a billion dollar brand. So, you know, that would that would be my takeaway is document it so you can can have that same level of quality control and that same value in your brand. Absolutely. I think we found that last time we brought new people onto the team and we asked them to start writing blogs for us. 
that having to having to explain what the voice of the blog was was actually quite a challenge so then when we came to the rebrand having done that work was super valuable so it is it, it works internally as well as externally even if, if it's your own brand or like you say if it's sort of an agency situation where you're trying to understand a client brand then having that knowledge documented I think that's that's a that's a really good takeaway so people listen to this document what your brand voice is work it out write it out and make sure everybody knows it that's perfect you that there spot on excellent Stephanie, thank you so much again for being on the podcast thank you so much for having me i had a blast Thank you for joining us for another episode of That Marketing Podcast. You clearly have wonderful taste. We hope you found the content useful and and enjoyed it. We'd love you to subscribe wherever it is you're listening to us. Maybe leave us a review. If you can think of a topic that you, you'd like us to cover, or even if you fancy coming on the podcast and sharing your own experience on a particular topic, uh, you can reach us at marketingteam at spotler.co.uk. Thanks once again and happy marketing.